You are listening to The Happy Gynecologist with your host, Amanda Miles, MD. Hey y'all, welcome back to The Happy Gynecologist, episode number 69, Emotional Exhaustion. Welcome back. And to any of the new listeners out there, welcome. We've been waiting on you. (laughs) We're so glad you're here. Before we get started on today's topic, I have to tell you about a couple things. Um, So first, the next Coffee with Coach is coming up. It's coming up on Saturday, February 12th at 9 a.m. Central. And you are not going to want to miss this one. I promise you. It is about how to handle complications and bad outcomes like a boss. (laughs) So for those of you that are newbies, Coffee with Coach is a totally laid back, free, live webinar um, that I like to do every so often. And for this one, I have had a lot of requests to talk about this topic recently. So I decided that we really need to give it um, the attention that it deserves, give us some substantial time. Um, and so we're, we're going to do that. And so we're going to have a Coffee with Coach about it. Um, and what that means is we um, meet on Zoom, you bring your coffee, I'll bring mine, I'll be on my like eighth cup by then. <laughs> I'll do you some really good stuff, answer your questions, um, and we'll have fun, right? And I'll also be telling you a little bit about the Happy Gynecologist coaching group at the end. So if you're interested in hearing about that, you can totally stick around. If not, no biggie, you can hop off. And it's really great because it's this webinar format on Zoom. So we won't see you. So um, you can tune in from your jammies or on your way to round or whatever. Like we won't, no one else is going to see you um, on screen or anything. So, um, but you have to register. You have to go to my website and register so I can send you the Zoom link securely. So you have to go to coach-miles.com forward slash coffee and register. And what will happen, it'll send you an email with the Zoom link and it'll also put you on the list to receive the replay in case you can't come live or you have to go run and do a delivery or something like that. So um, also for those of you that tuned in to the last Coffee with Coach, I have upgraded the Zoom so we will all fit (laughs) unless something really extraordinary happens. But um, we should all be able to fit um, live. And so um, last time we had issues with people getting locked out, unfortunately. So but we also have the, the replay in case that does happen. But So go to coach-miles.com forward slash coffee so you can get the links. You can come. You can take notes. You can ask questions. You can come and have fun Um, because this is stuff that all of us need to know at some point, right? Like at some point, it's either going to happen to us or it already has, and we need help dealing with that or actually processing that Um, because we are not taught how to move forward um, whenever something like this happens. And um, I think we've all probably known known someone or heard of a doc that has a bad outcome or has a complication that um, really affects their career and maybe even ends their career um, because it's such a big thing. It's so much they can't move forward or get past it. So I'm going to give you as much good stuff to arm you, to prepare you in case of that, um, or help you if you have had past uh, bad outcomes or complications, okay? Um, and I'm going to tell you, it's going to be tough to condense it. You know, I've got a whole module on this in my coaching program, so it's going to be tough, but I'm going to try and pare it down to kind of the, the main things that you guys need, okay? So 
Yes. And then the next thing I want you to know is that if you have been thinking about joining um, the Happy Gynecologist coaching group, I've had several people asking about that. Um, I've had several people, um, you know, wanting to know more information about that recently. So um, you can always find more information about that. It is a six-month coaching program. We uh, start the next group in March, and we are taking deposits, and spots are already filling. So if you have been considering it, you know, now's the time to save your spot. And you can always go find more info on that uh, on my website, coach-miles.com. You can, you know, click around on there, or you can go to coach-miles.com forward slash happy. Um, and I'll put all these links in the show notes for y'all. Okay. Um, all right. So today I want to talk about emotional exhaustion. Okay. And what really brought this up is I was, I was chatting with my sister the other day and my sister, y'all, she is amazing. She is four years younger than me and she is a very successful, um, I guess lady boss, like she's like a very successful leader in one of, um, without giving too much away, one of the biggest jewelry stores in America. And um, she's a very successful saleswoman. And she also has um, a lot more about her. She's a special needs mom. She's also a life coach for special needs moms. But when she's doing her day job, when she's being the badass jewelry boss lady, she's really great at sales and matching jewelry with people and like connecting and teaching all this to her employees. And, and so we were talking recently and, um, she had actually been working from home, um, for, for 10 days due to COVID. And, um, so she'd been, you know, remotely managing her team and helping customers remotely and doing all this work from home. And she said that, you know, she was amazed because she could end her workday and not feel emotionally exhausted. And she couldn't figure out why. And so, you know, because she was still interacting with people all day on the phone, on Zoom, through email, it didn't seem much different for her. And so, you know, as we talked, we kind of talked about where emotional exhaustion comes from. It was, it really got me thinking because I knew exactly what she meant whenever she was talking about emotional exhaustion, okay? I had felt that way, just emotionally drained, zapped. I felt that way every single day whenever I was burnt out, every single day. <laughs> and what that meant for me, every single day, at the end of the day, I would essentially collapse into my office chair at the end of the day, basically feeling like I couldn't do anything. I would, like, I couldn't even, like, scroll my mouse to chart, it seemed, and I would just sit there for a while, like let out this like huge breath of relief uh, that I was done. And I just felt like my brain was just like numb or zapped or exhausted. And so finally I would like gather myself and I would um, head out. I would leave clinic. And usually that was without my charts done, you know, because I couldn't muster the energy to do that at that point. And because I was just too exhausted. And so I'd head home and often that little 10 minute drive home, um, I would get home and almost not realize I had even been driving, right? Have you guys ever done that? I was just like so zoned out and so zapped that it was like I would get home and I would be surprised to find that I was home already. <laughs> and then, you know, usually the evening would continue in some sort of manner like that. Like I would eat dinner 
And then if nothing was going on at the hospital, I would kind of check out on the couch and fall asleep on the couch while snacking and scrolling my phone um, before eventually crawling to bed, right? I was just so completely emotionally exhausted. And so my sister and I kind of chatted some more about this. And whenever she was talking about her emotional exhaustion, she says that she always felt like she had to be on stage. Like she always had to be kind of performance ready and smiling and helping customers and like trying to make them happy. And I totally felt that. I think that is part of where I was. But then I really sat and thought about this whole conversation. um, And I felt like maybe there was more to it than just that. So I did like a really deep dive into this topic because I think this is a super important aspect of burnout, um, uh, you know, for us OBGYNs. And so, um, you know, we know that it's one of the three hallmarks or three signs of burnout. Emotional exhaustion is one of the three things, right? And so after I really did, you know, a deep dive on this and really spent some time kind of researching this and thinking about it and um, talking with other people, what? What I found is that, you know, I think I figured out, you know, what actually leads to us being emotionally exhausted, okay? And so the simplest answer is that whenever we find ourselves emotionally exhausted at the end of the day or after a long patient encounter or even just day after day when we're burnt out, I think it comes down to like one major thing. And I think it comes down to us avoiding feeling our emotions or avoiding our emotions, Okay. And so that's kind of like the simplest way to put it. And, you know, that can look like a lot of things. Okay. Maybe we push through them. Maybe we stuff them down. Maybe we avoid feeling them. And so I want to walk you through kind of the three main ways that I see this um, popping up in medicine and that I definitely experienced whenever I was very burnt out. And so I wanted to share these um, as well as, you know, some ways to start working on them. So the first way that we do this is, number one, through people pleasing, for sure. And so I think this is kind of what my sister was alluding to whenever she was uh, experiencing that. But, you know, when we are trying to keep others happy, we are not actually in touch with our own emotions, okay? We want to avoid them being mad or upset with us, right? Right. We are people-pleasing out of a place of kind of this fear of rejection on the deepest level, okay? We're trying to avoid feeling rejected or alone or isolated or unwanted. And so when you spend your day trying to keep your patients happy, then what you're essentially doing is trying to avoid that feeling of rejection or of failure or whatever it is for you. Because we're taught many things about keeping our patients happy, either directly or indirectly, um, many of us believe that to be considered a good doctor, we need people to like us on some level, okay? We need to keep them happy and on our side. You know, maybe we believe that if people like us, we won't get sued, right? Or maybe if we, you know, um, believe this, that, that we need good press gaining numbers to be a good doctor, right? Um, I used to have this belief that if people um, or patients specifically were unhappy with me, that they would tell all the other patients that I suck and then no one would come see me. And then I would have like no practice and no money and like, you know, be homeless. Right. And so there are a lot of these beliefs that lead to us trying to keep others happy um, at work. And so 
Um, we've discussed that extensively in episode number 14 called People Pleasing. So if you haven't listened to that one and you identify with this, that's a great one to go back and re-listen to. But, you know, I've kind of summed some of that up here, right? So, but, um, you know, here's how that causes the emotional exhaustion, okay? So stick with me here. When you're not showing up as your true, authentic self, right, because you were trying to keep someone else happy, you are not being true to yourself, right? So you're essentially, you're like sacrificing your emotions for someone else, okay? And so this is like kind of doing this thing where we agree to things that we don't want to do to keep someone happy, okay? Um, Maybe that's you're agreeing to come in on your day off um, to deliver your patient because you told her that you would to keep her happy, And when you agreed to that, you didn't agree to do that based off of how you truly feel, right? So if you like were like super excited to meet her baby or you just love her so much, like you just want to come in and deliver her baby because it's super fun, okay. That's a great place to agree to come in on your day off if that's, if, you know, that's what's driving you. But if you're just trying to keep her happy with you and you agree to come in on your day off to deliver her, you know, when you agreed to do that, you didn't agree based off of what you truly felt. You agreed to try and keep her happy. Okay, so essentially, whenever we people please, we're trying to avoid rejection. And in doing so, we are also avoiding even acknowledging that how we feel matters. Okay, we're not even considering that. So which is why later, when it gets to your day off, and you go in to do that delivery, that you promised from that place of just trying to keep someone happy, you feel resentful, okay? You feel like no good deed goes unpunished, and you just feel resentful or frustrated or mad, you know, not usually, you know, I don't know if it's at her, but at yourself for agreeing to this, usually. And so if you spend your day people-pleasing, which I think many of us do, right, we you know, whether we're in medicine or in retail, you know, keeping the customer or the patient happy is kind of a thing right now, right? So, you know, (laughs) whether we like it or not, it's like a thing. Um, And so, you know, a lot of us spend time doing this, okay? And a lot of you may be thinking, like, yeah, it's important to keep my patients happy, right? Like, but here's the thing, you can't actually keep them happy, (laughs) You cannot make them happy. You can offer your best advice to them and be kind to them and keep your office running well in hopes that their experience is a good one, but you can never actually control how they experience you or how they experience your office, okay? Or how happy they are because their experience is just their thoughts about their visit, okay? And they are human, so they get to think and feel whatever they want, all right? And so what you really need to ask yourself is, how can I show up today in a way that is true and authentic to myself? How can I give this patient her options for treatment in a way that is compassionate yet true to what I think is right? Okay, like how can you, you know, do a good job? How can you support your patient? How can you still stick to your your emotions, like stick to what you know is right, stick to looking out for you? Okay. Some of you may struggle with this. So I think it's super helpful to brainstorm different ways to do this, okay? So I want you to kind of think of a specific example of how you tend to agree to things you don't want to do or 
um, people please your patients, okay? And so, and maybe it's not patients, maybe it's your family, maybe it's admin, maybe it's someone else, okay? But think of different ways that you can maintain who you are and how you feel in your interactions with them, okay? And so what I mean with this is like, I think it's helpful to brainstorm different ways to tell people no, (laughs) because just saying no may not feel comfortable to you right now, okay? So can you brainstorm different ways to tell a patient they aren't a good candidate for a certain treatment? Can you brainstorm different ways to tell a patient, no, actually, I'm going to be unavailable that day. It's my day off. Um, but if you, you know, you know, go into labor the next day, I'm, I'm on call, I'll be there, you know, or whatever. Like how, how can you say no in a way that is true to you, that feels good to you, but is still in a way that makes you proud. Okay. So type up a list, write it out, whatever. How can you tell someone no from a place of love for yourself and for them? Okay. And what I mean by this. So for example, okay, I had, I recently, had a patient that really, really wanted to continue her combined OCPs despite being um, 40, obese, diabetic smoker, (laughs) okay? And so, which is fine. Like, I mean, I'm not judging her for any of those things, but, you know, we know that that's not, those things don't go together, right? And so what I like to think back on, though, is whenever I was super burnt out, with the amount of resistance that this patient um, had to stopping her combined OCPs, I think I probably would have either let her have them or it would have like evolved into some big like blow up type argument with me getting really mad at her um, or something like that. Like I could just see like whenever I was burnt out, this conversation would not have gone like this. But now... I tell my patients, like I have a way of telling them that I'm not going to give them a refill. Okay. So, or I'm not going to do that. And so like for her, I'm like, Hey, listen, as your doctor, I want you to know, I'm worried about your health and I don't ever want to cause you harm. I'm worried that with your current health problems, this pill could potentially cause major harm. And so I'm not going to give you a refill of that today. But what I do know is that you're worried about your periods and preventing pregnancy. So let's let's go through all these other options and let's find something else that works well for you, okay? And so like, that's kind of my spiel. Like, but I had to like really brainstorm how to tell these patients no. You know, you get the 75-year-old that's in on like a ton of estrogen on her, her hormone replacement, right? And she never wants to stop, but like she's already had like two strokes and she, she doesn't want to stop, you know? And so like, how do you tell that patient uh, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Right. Like, no, you may not have a refill. Right. With, and, and what I want you to know is that brainstorming this can help you develop, um, kind of, uh, a different way to kind of try stuff out. Okay. It's kind of like an experiment, right? So, um, it gives you different things you could try or just have on hand in case you need to use it. Right. And so whenever I, whenever I tell the the patient in this way, like, hey, I I worry about your health. You know, it's like from this place of love. And I will tell you this, like, I'm not trying to make her happy or keep her happy, but it is super rare that people, that people will like respond badly to that. Um, And so just as a general observation, like, even if she did respond poorly, I could still be proud of how I showed up. I could still feel good that I'm looking out for me and for her. 
And so I feel good about that. Okay, I leave that room knowing I gave her my best and that it was done from a, a good place and a good emotion. Okay, and so so I want you to kind of look at that as if there's some place in your practice that you struggle with saying no, just brainstorm, write out different ways. Can you do it from a place where you're worried about her and worried about you? Okay. And so I want you to um, brainstorm on that. Okay. So make a big list of how to say no. <laughs> and the, the other option is just saying no. You know, no itself is a complete sentence. No. <laughs> okay. But, you know, in, the, in this day and age of customer service, okay, how can you do it in a way that um, is, is caring and kind, okay, or however you want to show up, okay? So moving on, the second way that we often find ourselves emotionally exhausted is when we are avoiding all of our emotions throughout the day, okay? And this looks like going from room to room, like from a post-op that has a wound infection to a OB to a new OB that actually had a miscarriage to, you know, the well woman and some more OBs and like, like a hormone replacement med follow-up that actually takes 45 minutes because she's, you know, grieving her husband who died last week. You know, it's like this like up and down for us, right? And so we go from high to low and back again so many times in our day that we have to cope often or learn to cope by just trying to stuff that down and move on, right? Like we put on a strong face, we keep going. And so we don't often allow ourselves to feel any emotion with our patients. Um, we try and stay quote unquote professional um, because showing emotions could be considered unprofessional in medicine, right? And so heaven forbid we do that. Um, and so, you know, we don't often give ourselves time to feel those emotions after we leave that room either, right? Like you give bad news and you just like leave and you're like, okay, no, get it together. Keep going. Go to the next room, right? We just keep going. And I hear this so often as kind of this, kind of this badge of honor or this, I don't know, major thing amongst our field. Like, like it's a complaint, but not a complaint, right? Like, like how are we supposed to go from one room to another like this, right? Like, like nobody gets it like we do. And like, how do we recover when things are bad in one room and we have to go and pretend to be happy in the next room? You know, how are we expected to keep it together? And then, you know, we all agree, like, no one gets it like we do, right? That's like the badge of honor part, right? And so, but I want you to consider this. Like, the, the answer is super simple here. We stop expecting ourselves to keep it together, okay? We stop assuming that having feelings is this bad, unwanted thing, right? You know, we, we need to get rid of the thought that we need to be happy and move on to the next room or pretend to be happy, we just need to allow our damn emotions. <laughs> when things suck, that's what we should say, right? Like, we are allowed to feel. Because whenever we tamp it down and move on or hold it in and put on a smile and chat about the weather, you know, while we're still, like, reeling from a bad, you know, bad IUFD or something we just diagnosed, right? Like, that is what burns us out. That is what is emotionally exhausting, okay? Whenever we just like stuff it down, put on a smile, and go on, that is the part that is emotionally exhausting. That is the burnout, okay? And so how can you 
how can you, you know, reverse that or how can you work with that? I want you to challenge yourself. Like, can you feel a little emotion with each patient? Right. So that's kind of how I handle this is I allow myself to feel a little bit in each patient room. Okay. I think that we are all very well trained at, at kind of putting our emotions aside. But I also think that it's, it creates a lot of connection uh, with the patients too, to experience some emotion with them. Okay. And so ask yourself, you know, like, how can you connect with them and allow yourself to feel something in each room? Okay. Even if it's not bad, it can, you can feel a little good with, with one patient and allow yourself to feel bad with the next. Okay. Because whenever we tamp down all the bad and try and pretend to be happy in all the rooms, like that's, that's the problem here. Okay. And so whenever we allow ourselves to actually experience our emotions in the room, not only are we much more, you know, our authentic self, but it's like it releases a little of that pressure each time so that that pressure isn't just building up, building up, and then like some, you know, later date to be determined, it explodes, right? And so, you know, can you do that in each room? You know, can you allow yourself to you know, have some sort of emotion, even if it's not negative, even if it's just positive, like checking in with yourself. And then like, if you have to give bad news, or if you have an especially tough conversation, how can you allow yourself a few minutes to truly just feel how you feel? Can you close your office door? Can you set a timer for two minutes and just let yourself feel sad, or mad or confused about a loss, right? Like, can you let yourself grieve? Can you let yourself feel frustrated that the insurance won't pay for the hysterectomy she needs, right? Like, whatever it is, can you just breathe in that feeling and just sit with it for a minute while you take some slow, deep breaths before moving on to the next patient, right? And so that's what I want you to consider is like, how can I actually check in with myself in between each patient or in the room even, okay? Now, I'm not saying you got to ugly cry like Kim Kardashian does like in the room I'm saying it's not wrong if you do okay I think that showing some emotion and vulnerability um, helps patients realize we are human as well and so um, and it helps our our staff and you know the nursing staff understand that we are humans as well Um, and that we have feelings and needs too right and so if we're changing the culture of medicine, I think that's an important, uh, important thing to consider here. Okay. And so anyway, I want you to check in with yourself and have, have that thought or ask yourself those questions of how can you check in? How can you feel those feels? How can you experience those emotions so that you're not feeling like you have to go on and put a happy face on in the next room? Like you don't have to do that. You can tell her, like you can tell your routine well woman like hey I'm sorry I feel a little sad right now I just had to give bad news I'm sorry about that you know you don't have to apologize um either like that's not the right thing for me to be teaching you um but like can you can you say that to yourself before you go into the room I I even tell my nurses like I feel really sad in between you know if I have to give bad news or whatever I feel really sad that that happened to that last patient I feel really sad about that let myself sit there for a minute breathe it in, you know, and then go to the next one. Okay. And I can be more real with that next patient. I'm not just, you know, pasting on a fake smile. 
if I let myself feel it for a minute. Okay. So think about it. How can you do that? Brainstorm. The last example I have of what creates or the last scenario, what creates emotional exhaustion is when we're really resisting our emotions. Okay. And what I mean by resisting it is where we are just kind of fighting with our own emotions to um, keep them under control or we're like kind of nullifying them or discounting them, um, judging them. Okay. And so what I mean is like, it's kind of like this, like saying, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Right. When you actually have emotions. Okay. (laughs) And so, you know, often we will say things or think things that kind of discount how we feel. And sometimes this is like when we're talking with um, a partner about call, we say something like, I know it's dumb. We all have to take call, but I'm really sad that I'm on call tonight because I'm missing out on my kid's soccer game. Right. Like we like call it dumb because we're like talking about we shouldn't feel this way. Like we're like, hey, I shouldn't have any emotions about call, um, but I kind of do. I wanted to tell you like, you know, or we'll say, I know it's silly, but I, you know, I'm upset about this. Right. Like, no, it's not silly to be upset. Like, stop stop, you know, putting qualifiers on your emotions. Right. And so, you know, it's these, these little kind of offhand comments. It's just like I I said a minute ago, like apologizing for feeling upset. We never have to do that. But look at me, like even my, my, you know, brain as a physician or as an OBGYN or as someone that's been through burnout, whatever, as a recovering people pleaser, even then, whenever I told you that, like saying like, yeah, I just had to give you know, bad news and I'm upset by that or I'm sad, you know, and then I said, I'm sorry. Okay. You don't have to apologize. That's, that's what I'm talking about here. And even then, like, look at that. I just, I did it to y'all. So how do we stop apologizing or even covering up how we feel, resisting our emotions? Okay. That's the question here, right? Because we have these little comments that we either say out loud or we um, maybe in, internally towards ourselves that downplay how we feel. And these comments are essentially like us. We start to feel an emotion and then we judge ourselves for having it. And then we try to make it go away by labeling it something, by calling it dumb or calling it silly or apologizing, right? Um, we're essentially saying, I feel this way, but I shouldn't, <laughs> right? And so, you know, I think that this kind of offhand self-talk that we have plays a large role in this for some, for us. Okay. And so I think that I really, um, probably learned to do this in residency. I know, I know that I did actually. And so, um, it's kind of this thing that I like to think of as playing the glad game. I don't know. Do you guys know about Pollyanna? Like that's this old, old movie, Disney movie. And so if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go Google it. Um, it's the uh, the original Parent Trap actress, uh, Haley Mills, right? Haley Mills. She's in this movie. She's like, she's Pollyanna. She's this orphan. And she like tries to keep this good attitude about everything by saying that she can always find something to be glad about no matter what, right? And so I, while I think that's really great, <laughs> I think that it's, you know, good to find the good things in life, but forcing yourself to find the thing you're glad about, like, isn't the way to do it. Like, she's like, I'm glad I broke my leg because then it's like, 
are you really? Like, no, you're not glad about having a broken leg. Like, that's not, like, that's not how this works, okay? You're allowed to be, like, not happy that your leg is broken, okay? And so that's what I say whenever I'm play- whenever I say, like, playing the glad game or I'm referring to Pollyanna um, as kind of this toxic positivity that, like, basically is, like, saying, well, I know I feel this way, but actually, you know, um, I shouldn't feel this way. I should be happy. Right. And so, um, I, I want you to kind of, kind of think about that if you ever do that in your life, you know, and so in residency, this really showed up, um, for me. And I think probably for a lot of people, because we were kind of learning our place in the world and we saw a lot of bad stuff sometimes. Right. And so a lot of kind of crazy stuff or scary stuff. And so I think, you know, I, as I sat, sat here and like was thinking about an example, you know, for, for me in residency, you know, one example was like this very preterm patient delivered on the anaparm floor, which was a different floor for me, um, than labor and delivery and a different floor than the NICU. And so she delivered in the bathroom of her anaparm room and it was, it was like a disaster, right? Like, honestly, looking back, it was a disaster. Like, she was in this tiny hospital bathroom, and we were far away from the NICU. We hadn't expected it. She'd been really stable. And so, after that, like, like just venting with, with you know, the other residents or, you know, uh, the, the team, it's like we are all saying things like, well, I'm glad it at least happened on the night shift so we weren't as busy or stuck in a C-section, right? Or I'm glad that she was in the bathroom because at least she could reach that little that little string with the call light rather than, you know, being on the other side of a room or, you know, like we had all these like, I'm glad at least it didn't, you know, but like, it, you know, that's all like a, like a fucking code, right? Like, it's like, let's talk about how shitty that situation it was, like how that, you know, that whole situation was just shitty without calling it shitty, right? Or without like acknowledging that we had emotions about it. And what we really should have been saying was like, that was awful. That sucked. I was really scared for a minute and I'm still scared for her baby, right? <laughs> instead, we're like, well, I'm glad at least she got to 25 weeks instead of just being 20. No, either way, it fucking sucks. It's awful. Okay. And so when we resist feeling the emotions that we have by trying to put like this band aid on it or this, we kind of like this like glad game comparison on it, like, well, it could have been worse, right? So we should all feel okay about how it did go. Could have been worse, right? Whenever we do that, we, we build a lot of emotions up inside us. Okay. We hold on to a lot of emotions. Okay. And so, especially ones that are involved in these kind of little traumatic events right? Our brain really holds on to those, okay? And so, you know, when we have enough of those little traumatic events build up that we haven't processed or we haven't felt the emotions or even acknowledged that we had feelings about it, eventually our brain thinks that life is pretty dangerous, okay? That all these things at our job are possibly threatening. And then it begins functioning from fight or flight mode, okay? So it's this chronic exposure to these traumatic events, even if they're like little T trauma events, like like these little mini traumas of our day-to-day job, okay? Telling someone they had a miscarriage, that's a little T trauma, okay? You know, all of these add up 
And whenever we have chronic, unprocessed stress, repeated exposure to repeated traumas or stressful events or stressful, you know, working conditions, and we're not actually processing our stress, that's burnout, okay? You begin functioning from fight or flight mode preferentially, your brain does. Your brain rewires to function from that place preferentially, and then you're burnout. And of course, you're emotionally exhausted. That's, you know, I don't know which comes first, um, but that's all part of it, okay? So don't poo-poo on your own emotions, okay? Don't apologize. Don't be like me. (laughs) Don't judge yourself for feeling. Don't put qualifiers on how you feel. You're allowed to. You deserve to feel how you feel, right? Like you don't ever have to explain that away. So when bad shit happens, allow yourself to say or think like, that sucked and I feel pretty fill in the blank, okay? Mad, sad, scared, angry, whatever it is, just label it, okay? That's how I end every like stat C-section, every shoulder dystocia, every, you know, bad news diagnosis, I go sit in my chair and I tell, you know, my staff or I still tell, you know, my, my nurses or whoever, that sucked. And I feel, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it was. Okay. I say it out loud. Okay. But you don't have to, you don't have to say it to others. You can just say it to yourself. No one else has to know. Okay. But I think it is helpful to be vulnerable with staff and colleagues. Okay. I'm trying to set an example of that we are allowed to feel when things suck. Okay. And so, so I say it out loud. I tell people that sucked. I did not like that. I feel really stressed out right now, or I feel super scared for that baby. Okay. Or I feel super sad for that mama. Okay. And so I say it out loud and that acknowledges that I am feeling and it allows me to start feeling and sitting with that feeling. Okay. And so whenever I'm not just ignoring it and pushing it away, even by having this one little sentence, that sucked. And I feel pretty shitty right now. Okay. Um, Acknowledging that I have feelings to myself, to my brain, keeps me in my prefrontal cortex, keeps me out of that fight or flight mode. Okay. Because I am allowed to acknowledge my feelings and talk about my feelings. And that keeps you in that kind of creative planning Um, evolved part of your brain and out of burnout, okay? Out of the emotionally exhausted state, okay? So I want you to watch yourself. Next time you find yourself putting qualifiers on how you feel or saying it could be worse, ask yourself, why do I feel like I need to say that? Why can't I just like feel this right now? You know, why can't this just be something that sucks? What feeling am I resisting right now? What am I trying to avoid feeling? Okay, Because I think that this aspect of all this work, like working on actually processing your emotions, may be um, like the biggest game changer for burnout, y'all. Okay. And so I, um, I really do believe that. I think that, you know, we could talk about the call schedule and, and, you know, how do we deal with stress and how do we deal with partners that are not easy to work with, like all the time. But actually processing and acknowledging our emotions and acknowledging our humanness is what allows us to stay in that evolved human brain, okay? And so long term, that is what we really, really need here, okay? All right, y'all. 
I know this is a long episode. Thanks for hanging in there with me. Okay, that's what I've got for you this week. And I'm going to sign off. We will, we will talk again next week. All right. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can always get more free help from me by going to my website, www.coach-miles.com and clicking on free resources. If this work has helped you and you're interested in learning more about getting out of burnout and up-leveling your life as an OBGYN, definitely check out my six-month coaching program, The Happy Gynecologist Group. You can always get more information on my website, coach-miles.com.